This is not a time as believers to sit back and say, that's not in my backyard. I feel for them. I love the Jewish people, but there's not much I can do. And that could not be further from the truth. As I mentioned at the very top, we are commanded as believers to pray for and support Israel and its people. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you a story that's a bonus story. We don't normally drop stories on a Monday, but this one was so important. And actually, you're going to hear that this isn't even our typical storyteller's story. It is, but it, but also Stephanie is going to teach us about Israel and the importance of God's heart. That's right, Robin. With everything that's been going on in the Middle East, you know our hearts are just broken for all of the innocent lives that are being affected. Stephanie Datnoff is so wise, and she comes from such a unique background with her Jewish heritage, and she's going to talk a little bit about that. So that is kind of part of her story. But then she's going to really educate us on how we as believers are called to pray for the nation of Israel. You're going to want to have pen and paper ready for this one. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Here's Stephanie. So good morning, Robin and Storytellers family. My name is Stephanie Datnoff, and I am so honored to be speaking with you all today about one of the largest passions in my heart. At 35 years old, I feel like every life moment opportunity has brought me to this conversation with you guys. And I count it such a privilege to get to share with you all as believers and as Americans, how we can pray for our Jewish family and friends. Your first question might be, why should we stand with Israel as believers? And it's simple. It's biblical. Psalms 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. God's love for his chosen people is summarized in the book of Isaiah very well when he addresses Israel. He says in chapter 54, for the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. And I just think about that, given the current events that we're all watching unfold today, but the thousands of years that have come before, God has promised over and over and has been faithful in His promises that He will continue to care for and protect the Jewish people. And you've likely hit play on this podcast because you either have a Jewish friend, have a Jewish family member, or you just feel as a believer connected as we should to Israel. And I just want to give you all some helpful, tangible ways to be able to pray for them during this time and hopefully give some insight into what's going on. And again, how it's all biblical. But first, you may be wondering how Stephanie, who was raised in North Alabama, who's the daughter and the granddaughter of a pastor and evangelist, how is she the one speaking about the Jewish people and how we can pray for them? So just to give you a little bit of background about Stephanie is that I was raised in a Christian home, invited Jesus into my heart at the age of six and knew at that time that there was a very special calling on my life as I grew up in a pastor's home, but never really quite found my place. Never living crazy, never, oftentimes you'll hear testimonies where people had a wild streak and then came back to Jesus. 
I would say I was very faithful in my walk with the Lord. Not perfect, but faithful in growing up and learning. But it wasn't really until after college um, when the rubber hit the road. And like all of us, we're given the opportunity to make big decisions financially, relationally. And that was really a moment in my life where the Lord was so faithful to me in protecting me as I was starting to make a lot of those big decisions. A part of that season in my life of um, growing up right after college, two weeks after I graduated from the University of Alabama, I started working at a corporate office and met my now husband, Jake, who was three or four years into being there. And we were set up on a blind lunch date by our friends in the in the marketing and real estate departments, which was so fun to look back on um, and tell our kids about. Being someone that did not date a lot of guys, I was very specific with my friends that it was important to me to to marry to date and to marry a believer for a lot of obvious reasons, and that could be a podcast in and of itself. But I knew that I really liked Jake. He, anyone that has ever known him or met him it's unanimous, has always said he's such a likable guy. He's kind. He's funny. He is family first. He is so great at what he does, just really has a heart of gold. And so I just knew that I loved spending time with him, but it kept coming up over and over as we really went from being great friends to really liking each other. And these long, you know, coffee dates at Barnes and Noble turned into 30 minutes to two hours and just learning so much about each other. And in those conversations, now looking back, I realized how divine that was. He shared with me, and if he were here today, this is what he would say, but he began to share with me how he just had this hole in his heart and didn't know what it was and was not necessarily asking me some questions, but just felt empty for lack of better words and not supposed to missionary date. Right. So at an arm's length, I just shared what had been an encouragement to me because as I mentioned earlier, I was not away from the Lord, but I would not say I was walking with the Lord. I was in church like a lot of us do on a Sunday in the South, but my heart was not, okay, Lord, what do you have next for me? Or how are you using me in this season? In hindsight, I now know that the Lord was so loving and so good to me and was so kind um, as he was patient and really allowed me that, that time to grow and fall back into love with him as an adult woman, but also beginning this relationship with a young man that did not know, did not yet know Jesus, wasn't a bad person, but just did not have that personal relationship with him yet and was seeking um, and had spent many have done before trying to fill that hole with lots of other things and nothing seemed to really be satisfying. And so ended up inviting him to church with me. And it was a new church for me as well, being new to Birmingham. And we just began going. It just kind of became almost like a date night or a date morning for us two to go and to learn and stories I had heard my whole life, but the Lord was revealing himself to me in a whole new way. And then things that he had never heard of before either. We look back and laugh because I think the first Sunday he came with me, it was baptism Sunday at our church, which our church is usually the first Sunday of every month. 
And I remember just the sweat coming down his face when they were like, does anybody um, want to believe in Jesus today and get baptized? And I just remember thinking, oh, you know, has, have you have ever had that feeling where you invite somebody to church and you're like, I promise they never do this. But it just happened to be that Sunday. And so we look back and still get tickled about that. You know, once a lot of that awkwardness kind of melted away and we really enjoyed our church and and learning so much about the Lord, it was, I have to pause there and give a little bit of background about Jake too. I, I should have done that earlier. Jake is Jewish and grew up in temple faithfully. His precious family were some of the founding members. They have done such a great job in the Jewish community of keeping their Jewish friends and family plugged in and always giving them a home, even for people that are new here. The just the definition of an open family, just very loving and kind. So Jake was bar mitzvahed in his temple and did all sorts of trips to Israel with his youth group growing up. And that that is his background and his Judaism has been such an integral part of his life. And many of the traditions that we still hold today are a testament to his family's consistency growing up. So I just want to take a moment to honor them and just what a great job they have done and still are doing a part of Jake's life, loving on him and supporting him. But jumping back in to those earlier moments at church, I mentioned that lack of wholeness, fulfillment that he mentioned to me in the early months of us dating. And I began to watch him as such a thinker, putting all these puzzle pieces together, not really talking about it much outwardly, but just the wheels were turning. I think the biggest part of his testimony comes down to four things. It was his openness to that Jesus shaped hole in his heart, which we're all born with, no matter what our background is. It's how God created us because we have to have forgiveness for our sins. And ultimately, that's Jesus' role, um, is that He has come into our heart, He has changed us, and He has forgiven us for those sins, that there's no other way to get true forgiveness. So He had that openness about that hole in His heart, wanting to feel whole and satisfied. And then He really began studying in about, I'd say, 18 months' time. I gave Him an old Bible that I had, and He just walked through much of the Old Testament and whether or not your listeners are aware, but Old Testament is what is the Torah for our Jewish friends and family. So very well versed in the Old Testament. The New Testament is the second part of our Bible, which is the life and the love of Jesus. He began reading through that and had never even read or flipped through um, the New Testament But he was so excited when he would come to me and begin saying, I'm beginning to see Jesus in Isaiah, where it's describing all these prophecies. And then you would immediately sense that reservation of, but I can't because that's just not, that's not what they believe. So those wheels were turning for about 18 months and um, he was committed to studying. He was talking to a lot of his family and rabbis to try and understand like, what is this significant disconnect when all signs seem to be pointing to Jesus? I would be remiss to not include that Jake becoming a believer was a large part due to family members that have been praying for Jake since he was a little boy that have known and loved his family. And those seeds that were planted in his life and just the commitment of prayer. I cannot 
I cannot overstate how important it is for us to pray, which is what I'll jump into with some specifics in a little while, but also him coming across some topical resources that address very specific arguments that the Jewish people have for putting their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. So that's a little bit of Jake's testimony about 18 months into his studying the Lord did what only he can do. He took the head knowledge and gave him a hard experience where we were at church one Sunday and Jeffrey Cohen, it should not surprise me, but in that moment, I was like, wow, he um, spoke at our church from Gateway in Dallas, and he's also a Messianic Jew and shared his story about how he too had a lot of the same head knowledge, but had a encounter and a dream with Jesus. And just, again, tears coming down Jake's face to be able to have someone that he saw like himself share his story of meeting Jesus. You could just tell the Lord was really doing a work in him because how many of us have grown up in church and we know these stories and we know how to pray or what to do and say, but then there, there's that factor of, of Jesus, like his presence has to be there and it's only there when we're open and we invite him into the situation or into our decision-making, whatever it may be. So that would be kind of the, cl- the a very long journey, but the the bow on top of Jake, praise God, um, inviting Jesus into his heart and um, immediately sensing the Holy Spirit over his life and so many things clicking in, in retrospect. Um, our marriage today, many people will say, oh, you're an interfaith marriage. Um, and I, yes you know, to the outsider's view. So yes, we celebrate both holidays, but really we are one faith. Our faith is in Jesus, but we honor all the Jewish traditions because our children are half Jewish. And it's important for us to not let that be a stopping place in in Jake's walk with his Jewish heritage and traditions, but rather it's a continuation And I'll never forget Jake making the comment after he became a believer and realized that putting his faith in Jesus was the most Jewish thing he could have ever done. It's not it's not even like a different lane or a different life cycle. It's completing that cycle just as Jesus does. Um, And I'm going to touch on that a little bit in Isaiah. When you really dive into the scripture and see these prophecies and how Jesus fulfilled every one of them and more. It is a completion of his Jewish heritage. We want to walk that out. You know, sometimes I remember it was not not hurtful, but it was a learning curve in the very beginning as Jake was sharing about his decision. Many people just wrote it off as, okay, Jake converted for his wife so they could get married because that was shortly before we got married. And I made that abundantly clear in the beginning, although not a perfect, I did not handle it in the perfect way, but I made it abundantly clear. I see now how beautiful the Jewish culture and family is and heritage. And I in no way want to be that person that's like, just do this for me. I loved him so much that I was willing to walk away from it because it is such a deeply personal decision and not anything. It's not a decision you can make for someone else, especially when you're talking about eternity. And he certainly did not take the easy way because the easy way would have just been, you know what, this is all very uncomfortable. I don't understand it. And I don't see a lot of other people making this same decision. I'd rather just go our separate ways, but clearly he took the road less traveled. Um, 
And when you think about all the Jewish people in the world, which is already such a small number, and then you've got an even smaller number who put their faith in Jesus, it's just, I would imagine, I haven't walked that myself, but it's got to be a very isolating feeling because you've had this radical moment of putting your faith in Jesus, but you're trying to explain that to people. And a lot of times it's very taboo. So all of that to say, when, you know, in the beginning is people began to to find out as word spreads very quickly, it was, oh, Jake converted for her. And he's always really quick to pause and say, I did not convert. I am still Jewish. I'm not just Christian now. Like I'm Jewish and I will always be Jewish, but this is my faith is in Jesus now that he has died and forgiven me for my sins. Uh, it doesn't take away from anything else except for where I place my faith. And I just can't reiterate that enough that it's not a turning your back on your traditions and your um, family, but rather just a continuation. So today we celebrate um, Hanukkah and we host Shabbat on Friday nights. And the Lord has really given Jake and I a heart to be a conduit. So we have a lot of believing friends, obviously, that want to learn more about Judaism that we read about, we want our home to be a place for that and our lips to be conversations for how really the Old and the New Testament tie together. And although that we don't live under the law anymore, it gives us the ability to um, share about Jesus's love and talk about how he too would be sitting with us for a Shabbat dinner as a Jewish young man as well. And so it's just a really neat opportunity. And we do not take that lightly to be able to infuse both worlds. Again, the reason why the last couple of weeks have been incredibly painful is because Jake has family in Israel. Currently, those that have previously served with the IDF, those that have been right in the middle of interviews for fighter pilot positions that have since been paused given the war. We have family that are thank goodness at this moment, safely evacuated to a different part of Israel that fellow Israelis have so sweetly opened their homes for our family to be able to just breathe a very short sigh of relief really before the next wave of fear could possibly happen given other countries surrounding Israel. It's really just a day-to-day. Having family on the ground in Israel specifically the Southern Negev, which you keep seeing on the news. Our family lives on a Moshav about 10 minutes from the Gaza border. Um, I visited there myself. And ironically, of all the locations, the touristy places that we would visit, I felt the safest in, in Southern Israel. Although you would lay your head down at night and hear the sirens going off and you would hear bombings in the distance in Egypt and Gaza um, of, of failed rockets or whatnot. I felt the safest there because we were with family and we were with people that loved their country. And um, unfortunately, we're all too accustomed to this, this lifestyle of an ongoing tension. Just a quick update on them, specifically to the attack two weeks ago, the Lord really spared their particular Moshav or neighborhood as they are only 10 minutes from the border. Unfortunately, there were those that were just a mile over that were closer where Hamas was able to infiltrate and brutally murder so many of their personal friends and family, both at the music festival, in their homes, these little children. When you 
hear our Israeli family talk about, oh, that's my friend from elementary school that I played basketball with. And, you know, we keep seeing his name on the hostage list and we're waiting for him to to hopefully be released. His kids are waiting for him at home. And every night they're having nightmares, wondering about their Abba or father. Will he come home? And it's just, it has been a living nightmare in 2023 that this is even on the lips of our history books right now is just, is terrifying. I will not get into all the details of it. I don't think that that's necessary. I think we are, we have heard a lot of updates and the details and those type things, but it has just been, um, at times it has felt unbearable because to walk through such a tragedy and then spend so much energy explaining how this has actually been in the works for so long. I don't think that so many of us can wrap our heads around this pre-calculated error. And even though this took a year and a half of planning by Hamas and partners, this is an ongoing hatred. And so something that we have to be aware of as we study anti-Semitism in the world today. Um, And where does our responsibility come in for praying for our Jewish friends and family. So I want to highlight what are five different ways we can specifically as believers pray for our Jewish family and friends, both at home and abroad. Hostages. The Lord gives strength to his people, Psalm 29, 11 says, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. I pray the Hebrew name of the Lord, Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. We must keep our eyes on him who is our source of everlasting peace. We pray for the emotional trauma of the survivors. We have heard the stories of those that are no longer with us through very brutal attacks, those that have been taken, but family members like our own, our cousins that are, you know, pausing for a moment after the attack and then continuing to have concerns about more attacks. I pray Yahweh Rapha, our healer of body and soul. Um, The first few verses of Psalm 23 remind us that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters, refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And I just pray that our Jewish family and friends whether it be a a personal attack that they have seen or it's our Jewish friends and family on American soil today that are receiving threats and lack of support, that Lord, you would remind them that you are our shepherd and our healer, that he would renew their minds and their hearts. They would be reminded how loved and supported they are by us and by others in the world. Uh, I pray over the imminent ground battle that is to come. Um, We don't know the time yet. And there are obviously a lot of complications when it comes to getting innocent people out of, out of the messiness of this unwanted war. I pray Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He's a rally before the battle in Exodus 17, 15, Moses built an altar and called it. The Lord is my banner. I loved this story. And if you have some time, go back and read it. But that particular altar naming was symbolic to remind Israel that the Lord rallied around them as Israelis to overcome their enemy. Um, What a powerful testimony that this is yesterday, today, and tomorrow to the power and the faithfulness of God. 
as I was reading a lot of these Old Testament stories in the last few few weeks, I'm just reminded over and over that it's like the same story being rewritten. At times, it feels like it's growing more painful, but we cannot forget that Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is our banner, and He will always take care of His people. That is His covenant with them. The fourth, probably the most difficult for me, but I would be remiss to not call on believers to pray as Jesus would in this moment for the enemy's heart. In Matthew 5, 44 through 45, he says, but, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. It's difficult to share that because I believe in justice and I believe in Israel protecting themselves as they should. But I also have the heart of Jesus in knowing that no heart is too hard for Jesus to soften and to draw near to him. I immediately think about Saul's miraculous conversion to Paul in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus. No heart is too hard for Jesus to transform for his glory. Even Saul, in all of his moments of brutally persecuting Christians, had an experience with Jesus in a way that nobody could have ever imagined the blinding light. In days later, the scales fell from his eyes. I, When I picture these Hamas terrorists, which is what they are, just um, it's just the, the purest form of satanic evil on earth right now. But they are also God's creation. And it's hard, it's hard to stomach that. And it's hard to for those words to even come from my lips. But I know that it's a commandment from Jesus to still love and to pray for our enemies. And then in closing, as far as praying over our Jewish friends and family physically, I hope that as believers, we our ears and our eyes are open to also be sensitive to the rise in um, the world to anti-Semitism because it is more than people hating Jews. It is satanic, and we need to know that. This is spiritual warfare that we're watching. People want to put human labels on things because it is. It's anti-Semitic, and it's horrific, and it's wrong, and we should denounce it in every way that we can on behalf of our Jewish friends and family, because to stay silent is in a way to support it. And so we need to be open about our support for Israel and um, doing more than just a cute Instagram post. It needs to be reaching out, supporting them, um, praying for them and denouncing it. Let's not forget in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes because that's what we're, that's what we're watching for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms sometimes i have to turn the news off and force myself to take a step back and think about what satan is doing over there how he is possessing people to do these inhumane activities without any second thought. I would just encourage us to see it for the evil that it really is and not try to excuse it or sugarcoat it. It's hard to stomach and we should not drink from the news all the time without taking a moment and stepping back and asking the Lord to renew our minds and our hearts. That's very important because we are human and we're not built to handle this kind of evil in the world without seeking his strength first. 
but it's important. We can't, this is not a time as believers to sit back and say, that's not in my backyard. You know, I feel for them. I love the Jewish people, but there's not much I can do. And that could not be further from the truth. As I mentioned at the very top, we are commanded as believers to pray for and support Israel and its people. So I I just want to keep reiterating that. The second part of how I would ask my believing friends and family to pray is to also pray for our Jewish friends and family's spiritual reconciliation back to him through the sacrifice of Jesus alone. We must pray for a harvest for Israel like we have never seen before. This is where I want to take a moment and take the knowledge that I do know, having such dear friends and family, to share about the challenges that comes with this decision-making, and then also um, how I believe we can see God move. So the challenges, I would say the biggest challenge, two of the biggest challenges for why a Jewish person struggles with accepting Jesus as their Messiah and into their heart for a personal relationship. It's because so much of the Judaism we see today is rabbinical Judaism versus biblical. Rabbinical meaning scholars that have gone to school, they have taken great lengths to study the word of God in the Torah, and then interpreting it for others, rather than going straight to books in the Old Testament and reading what God says about what he, all the great gifts he has for the Jewish people and the Gentiles alike, but specifically in this conversation, it is oftentimes, not all the time, it is oftentimes received secondhand. As an example, in Leviticus 23, it is outlined the laws and many of the commandments that are given to the Jewish people to follow. However, without a temple, many of these cannot be fulfilled, such as the blood sacrificial system. So I would encourage you guys to pray with me that our Jewish friends would and family would understand that it is a broken system today, specifically on the topic of atoning for our sins, that it can no longer be done and completed in the temple as Leviticus 23 commands them, but rather Jesus came to present himself as their savior and to forgive them for their sins, just as Isaiah 53 lays out for them and for all of us to know that he is the only one that can do that. I just want to walk through at a high level. I keep referencing Isaiah 53. If you have not recently opened that book in your Old Testament, I strongly encourage you to do that. The prophecy talks about the Messiah will be born of a virgin. He will have Galilean ministry. He'll be an heir to the throne of David. He will have his way prepared. He will be spat on and struck, just as we saw during the crucifixion. He will be disfigured by suffering. He will make a blood atonement. And we read about how he sheds his blood to atone for our sins, everyone's sins in this world. Isaiah 53 also says that the Messiah will be widely rejected. He will bear our sins and sorrows. And it goes on to say, that he will be our substitute. The cost of sin in our lives is death. What a gift we have in Jesus that he died on the cross for our sins so we didn't have to. I oftentimes hear our pastor explain it like this, that the payment, hell is not a place that God sends people. Rather, it's a place in eternity where people choose to go if they would rather pay for their own sins through works. 
And I know that that's a heavy topic, but let's, let's rejoice in the fact that it's already been paid for us rather than confusing it. Let's rejoice in the fact that our sins have been paid for. And it's as easy as accepting that gift from him. Um, Cause that's what a savior is. That's what a Messiah is, is, is our savior that has already been done for us. However, going back to the complications um, specifically in Romans 11, um, it's detailed the temporary spiritual blindness that the Jewish people will have to Jesus. Um, and I don't have time to outline all of that specifically, but Romans 9, Paul says, For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. So we are also seeing that it's biblical that there are challenges for the Jewish people to accept Christ as their Messiah. But we also see, my second point, there are cultural challenges that come from this decision. Because the Jewish people are so knitted closely together, and it's a beautiful family of people that care for and love each other like I've never seen in my life before. There is a fear in that decision that they would be separated from their identity in Judaism, which is a very legitimate fear, a fear of being shunned by their families and losing their Jewish identity, everything that their foundation was rooted in. If you think about it as a believer, the moment that we, if you're a Gentile believer, the moment that we accepted Christ, you may have had some people that didn't understand, but no one that mourned on your behalf when you accepted Jesus or no one that misunderstood you or shunned you or treated you differently quite to the extent that we hear our Jewish um, friends and family express that have put their faith in Jesus. Um, So that's a large part of it too. And I praise God for my husband, Jake's family for being still so supportive and welcoming. And although not a hundred percent understood his decision personally, but they love and support him. So I do believe that there are families out there that are supportive, but have, have a lot of questions. So that, that is a very legitimate concern. Sharing all of those heavy topics and concerns and um, realities, I, I have to end on sharing, but God, And that's my favorite phrase for anything in life that feels like a wall and impossible, but God, and you see him insert himself into so many impossible situations and make it possible. You might be thinking, where is he and how is he going to reveal himself? You may not personally know someone Jewish, but you may be praying for the salvation, the the spiritual reconciliation and the physical protection of our Jewish family and friends in Israel and in the IDF. But you might be thinking, but how? It seems so impossible. Hosea 6.3 says, As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Jesus promises he will make himself known to those that are searching for him. Knock and he will answer. And what a what a statement, what a scripture to rest in that the Lord just calls us to pray and to share our faith. He will handle the rest. He will make himself known in what seems like the impossible as rockets are are raining down on Israel. As hatred is raining down on our domestic Jewish um, people. Lord, we, we know that you will make yourself known 
and you will be their protector and their shield and you will come to them and knock at their heart um, to have that personal relationship with your only son, Jesus. So we can pray for that, that he will make himself known and that they will be receptive. How will he make himself known? I love also the book of Esther in 414. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have to come to your royal position for such a time as this. My prayer for anyone listening to this is that you feel compelled and you feel empowered by God's word and by the commandment he has put on our hearts as believers to stand up for our Jewish people. Much like Queen Esther's willingness to boldly self-sacrifice her own life for the good of the Jewish people, we see Jesus do the same for those of us who have sought him and those that will seek him. May we be as bold as Queen Esther to use our connections, to share our God-given wisdom, and to stand up for what's right. Because there is no greater time than this. We all were chosen what feels like an overwhelming time in history for a lot of reasons besides just what's happening in Israel. Remind ourselves that, yes, it would have been nice to be born in the 1950s when things were more simple, right? But Jesus created Stephanie for such a time as this, Jake for such a time as this. Robin, you and your time, you and your team for such a time as this, like we are called to rise up and to be walk boldly for Jesus and to pray for our friends and family that don't know him yet. And also their spirit, their physical protection. And then I want to end with some encouragement to the prophecy that is laid out also in Isaiah 59 verses 20 through 21. The Redeemer will come to Zion, which is another word for Jerusalem, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on their descendants from this time on forever. We see it fulfilled and written by Paul in Romans 11, 26 through 27. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn godless godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So be encouraged. What seems like a brick wall, what seems like the impossible. You never know how the Lord is knocking at somebody's heart. And not pulling them away from their heritage, but pulling them in closer to him in the completion of their spiritual story. And then Luke writes in Acts, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I just, I'm thankful and I'm praise God that we serve a God that does the impossible and loves his people like only he can as our creator. And he promises to comfort us and to draw him close to us. And we will all be together in heaven again. And I just am so grateful for that opportunity that that he gives us to, to make that decision because he loves us that much. You know, we asked Stephanie to share this story and we're dropping it immediately because I think it's so difficult, or maybe most Christians don't understand, 
the importance of Israel and God's heart uh-huh. for Israel. And this is a time where we as believers need to know why this matters. She just did such an excellent job sharing with us why Israel matters to God's heart. I agree. And, and as a parent, I was challenged to pass this to my kids mm-hmm. so that they would receive truth. There's so much misinformation out there. And so I really feel like it's a special time for us to make sure that we're passing along to our children the truth of the history of Israel, like you're saying, Robin, why it matters to the Lord. And I love how she outlined things specifically to pray for. And I was most convicted by, you know, Hamas is God's creation. And so mm. we need to pray for their hearts as well. Yeah. You know, I loved all of the ties in with the Old Testament and God's names and how we can specifically pray those things over what's going on in the Middle East. But, you know, also just really what spoke to me as well is just even at the beginning of her story, when she was talking about her husband, Jake, and him finding the Lord. And and I love that she said it was a completion of his Jewish heritage, that he wasn't converting from, you know, Judaism to Christianity, but it was a completion. I thought that was such a beautiful picture of a Messianic Jewish person. And I love how she talked about how they've kind of combined their their Christian heritage and their Jewish heritage, and they celebrate both of those as well. Again, Robin, like you said, this is just a special episode. As, as she said, even in her story, we are called for such a time as yeah. this. And so I hope that as you listen to it, not only were you educated, but maybe a little convicted as well as mm-hmm. all three of us yeah. in just our role as believers to pray for the nation of Israel, to pray for God's chosen people. So have a wonderful Monday. We can't wait to talk to you again on Wednesday. Please be sure to rate and review the podcast, share it with other people, and we look forward to talking to you Wednesday. 